Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in New York with Orlando Magic Center, Nikola Vucevic, who may very well soon be All-Star Center. Nikola Vucevic, stay with us. Here with Vooch in Lower Manhattan, Magic in to play here in New York. How are you, man? Doing well. How are you doing? Good. So all anybody wants to talk to you about lately is All-Star. The fan voting is done. Now it goes to coaches, media. Do you play that game? Like, do you go down the rosters and go, okay, coaches selection on subs. I'm having a better year than that guy, that guy. Like, is it human nature to go down the roster and say, because when I do it with you and anyone else does it with you this year, it comes back to a very clear, they cannot keep you out. You're an all-star. 20, 12, almost four assists over a block a game. You're an all-star this year. I appreciate it. I don't really do that. Um, I don't, I don't try to think about it too much. I mean, obviously last, uh, you know, lately a lot of people have, uh, talked about it. A lot of people that, you know, have been mentioning to me. I see it on, on my Twitter and all that come up, but, I just try not to, you know, uh, think about it too much because I know that it would affect me uh, maybe a little bit. So I just try to go, you know, and you know, keep playing at a high level. Uh, you know, I know that I've had a, a very good season so far. Uh, I know I've played at a high level. I've been consistent. And I know that I've, uh, you know, made my case to make it. Uh, so I hope that the coaches recognize that. But I try to, you know, mentally stay you know, away from it as, as much as I can uh, because I don't want to be a distraction to me and then also the team as well because, you know, we have a bigger picture, which is for us to you know, to, to uh, win some games and you know, um, get back you know, into the eighth spot. You know, the thing that people talk about you and, and some guys who've been in the organization as long as you have, there's not many left, but there's some. And I think the one thing people really have appreciated about you is you have been through lots of coaches, not just head coaches, but probably 20 assistant coaches and trainers and there's been losing and there's not many guys left standing from when you came from Philly in the trade. And what people will say about you is, and I think what they really appreciate is every single day you came in and just went to work and you were a professional every day. And I have to imagine there were times through those years where that was not as easy to do. Is that how you always approached it every day that if there's turmoil around here this is a job i'm going to come in and do it the same way i had to you know i'm um those are things that are out of my control uh, that i can't really control and so i always try to just focus on the things that, that i can't control which is you know uh, my game uh what can i do um to, to help the team help my teammates to improve our team improve my game and uh and you know also when you have all these distractions going on around and all that, you know, the best way to kind of not think about it and not, you know, keep it out of your mind is to just go out in the gym and work. And, uh, that's kind of our, you know, our place where we're at peace and we just, you know, do what we love the most. And so, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of changes since I've been in Orlando, uh, my seventh year here now, uh, you know, coaches, players, assistant coaches, you know, even this year, you know, we have new training staff. Uh, so there's been a lot of changes, uh, but you no, know, as a player and as a, a professional, you know, all, all you can do is, you know, do, do your job. And, uh, you know, my, my job is to be, you know, the best player I can be for the Orlando Magic. Your father, Borislav, played almost 25 years of professional basketball. And you've got to be a pro to play into your 40s. And you grew up in gyms. It was really the family business. How much do you think you were influenced 
how you view professional basketball was viewed by watching and being around him as he worked and kept playing at an age where he was twice the age of guys he was playing against. Oh, yeah, he played until he was uh, 44, and uh, I don't know how, how he did it. I mean, that's that's a lot, a lot of basketball. Uh, but you know, I think that's one of the main things that he taught me is how to be a true professional. Uh, you know, I think we we all you know uh, in in the NBA or anywhere in the world that play basketball, we all have a certain skill, uh, a gift to play the game. But sometimes what can separate you is how you approach the game. Uh, you know, playing basketball is, you know, as much as a game, as much as it is a game, it's also, you know, a, a style of life that you have to have. You know, you can't, you have to live a certain way. You have to dedicate everything to it, uh, I think, to get to the highest level. And I think that's one of the main things that my dad have been able to teach me, uh, you know, to, to live like a pro, to approach the game like a pro, you know, bring it every day. Uh, and those little things, you know, at a young age, I didn't necessarily... When he was doing them, I didn't necessarily pay attention to them because I was so young. But as I got older and I would look back, I remembered, you know, he used to, you know, go to bed early. He used to rest. Uh, he would eat only certain things. You know, he would, you know, uh, go on days when they didn't, when they didn't have practice. He would go in and work on his body. And you know, in the summer, he would still put a lot of time into work. And now when I look at back at all that, you know, I see that. I had a chance. I was very lucky that at a young age, I had that right in front of me to learn, and now I can implement that, and it's it's helped me a lot. I think you know, uh, just that's something that I really uh, take a lot of pride in, is being a true professional. You moved around a couple times as a kid. What was your childhood like? What was it mostly centered around basketball? Did it feel like your world was mostly centered around the game as a kid? Well, I mean, yeah, the, the reason uh, I was born in Switzerland is because my dad played there at that time, and then we moved to Belgium, so I lived there for 11 years. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, my, my mom and him, they made the decision that we'll follow him wherever he goes. And, um, and so, yeah, in a way, it was, you know, centered around the basketball, but at the same time, whenever he was, uh, you know, not playing or anything, he would make sure to spend a lot of time with the family and make sure we do stuff. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, you know, it, it helped me, you know, live in all these different countries, you know, see all these different cultures, learn different languages. It's put me in a, in a uh, you know, special position and it's helped me with the, the game as well. Uh, so, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was a kid. I was, you know, I was always the cool kid. I was the son of the, you know, one of the best players on the team. You know, I was, you know, one to have people, kids hang out with me. So it was, it was a good position for me for sure. But in a lot of ways, you were a late bloomer in basketball. I mean, you're, you weren't in a position to go in the draft out of school. Your freshman year at USC, you came here and played a year of high school basketball, went to USC and didn't play a lot at USC. There was nothing. You were big and people thought, I think the feeling was, well, we'll come back and see this guy and you know, maybe junior, senior year. He's a pro prospect, but it didn't just happen for you. No, it didn't. Uh, even when I was younger, uh, you know, when I first started playing basketball, I was a bit, uh, bigger than the rest of the guys, but I was still, uh, wasn't like the tallest guy on the team. So I actually started as a, as a point guard. And then like until I was, until I got to 17, 18, I have played every position. I went from one, two, three to four in the center. Actually in college, I played more to four, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, when I was like in my 12, 13, 14s, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't the best player on my team. Uh, there were guys that were better than me. Uh, and then when I got to, uh, to college, especially my freshman year, you know, I had guys like Taj Gibson in front of me and a lot of other guys that were older. And, you know, I was just happy to play 10, 12, 15 minutes. 
and uh, you know, to just have a chance. And then uh, I think my, my sophomore year in college, that's when I made the biggest jump, and that's when you know I started realizing that I have a real shot of being a, a really good player. Uh, but it wasn't then that I was really sure if the NBA would be realistic, but I knew that I would have a chance in the, in the Euro, in Euroleague. Uh, but then towards the end of my sophomore year, you know, the people that started m- talking more about it, you know, my coaches had mentioned it. And so that's when I realized that I had a chance and I knew that my junior year would be, uh, big for me. But I, I think, um, I grew a lot from like 16 to 18, but I didn't have the weight. So that was an issue for me to play at center, but I was so skinny. And then my, uh, sophomore and junior, year, I was able to add weight and really work on my body. And that's helped me really, you know, elevate my game and really start to show off my skill set. Who initially had the idea that you would come to the States, go to high school, and go to college and get an education? Because that was a big part of it for you. Was that always your thought, or did someone come to you with that idea that, hey, this might make sense for you? No, actually, it was never really on my on our uh, my, my dad's and my mind uh, before. Uh, we were looking at options in Europe. And then uh, uh, one of uh, our close uh, uh, friends uh, from home, he, uh, he went to, uh, UCLA, Nikola Dragovic. That was, uh, back in 07, I think. And, uh, I was supposed to go to a team in Serbia, uh, FNP. They, they a lot of players like Teodosic came from there. And, uh, I was supposed to go there. And then there were some issues, uh, like with the contract that my dad didn't like. And so, uh, Nikola's dad, he came to us and was like, Hey, listen, he went to UCLA. He's loving it. It's, uh, it was great for him the system, the school, everything. Uh, he really told us all these great things about it. So our mindset was like, okay, you know, see if I can maybe go a year in high school and if I get a good scholarship, you know, maybe uh, go that way because I could always come back. That's what we thought. So through, uh, you know, the coach at uh, Stonebridge had saw me play at a tournament. You know, he got in touch with me and that's how it all started. And it took us a while to really decide and be like, okay, we're, we're going to do it. Uh, but you know, eventually we decided that was the best way. We're going to give it a try. If it doesn't work out, I can always come back. It ended up being a great choice for me. What was it like for a Serbian kid to move to L.A. as a teenager, not know anything about having not been in the States, but to like just end up in L.A. at that age? It was uh, it was definitely a shock for me a little bit at first. Uh, I mean, when I landed in L.A., I was like wowed by everything. I mean, you see palm trees, everything, everywhere. I remember seeing the big LAX sign when I uh, was leaving the airport. And it was just, to me, it was like L.A., it was just like movies, Hollywood, all that. So that was like, you know, what I had, uh, the, the imagination that I had of it. Uh, but at first, you know, it was a little difficult. Obviously, it's a di- different, um, it's different here than what I was used to home. I was far away from you know, my family, my, my, my friends, you know, everything that I was used to. Uh, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy adjustment at first, but I also, um, had the luck that, a lot of guys at Stormridge Prep were actually from Europe, uh, and a lot of them then were uh, French guys. And since I spoke French from living in Belgium, uh, that it made that transition much easier because I was able to communicate with them in French, which uh, uh, actually wasn't as good because then I didn't really learn English as much as I wanted to my first year. But uh, that that helped all of us that were there at, at that time, and uh, the people there that actually was in Simi Valley, which is like 60 miles away from uh, L.A., uh, we're just so great to us. We live with our family, you know, they, they, they took care of us, they helped us. Uh, but it, I think all that, the whole experience just helped me mature so much quicker, uh, maybe than I would if I, you know, had stayed home close to my parents. Support for the Woj Pod comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love 
and customize it by adding your own text images and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website that you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website. Create yours today. Get started by going to Wix.com. That's wix.com slash Woj, W-O-J, to get 10% off. To me, this was always like a really interesting season, and it was an interesting team. You came into the league in the lockout year, and you go to Philadelphia, and a very veteran team, and a coach in Doug Collins, who was, I think, very focused on playing veterans. And you look at that team, you were on Andre Iguodala, uh, Drew Holiday, Lou Williams. We had Elton Brand. Elton Brand was right. Yep. What was it like being a young player on that team and a young player playing for Doug Collins? That, I don't think that was an easy year for you. I mean, it, it wasn't easy. Uh, actually, at first, uh, no, I was actually playing a good amount of minutes. Uh, I, I had my chance and I had some games where I started, played big minutes. Uh, it wasn't always consistent. Uh, no, I mean, part of it was also, you know, me as a rookie, I wasn't always, uh, you know, playing at the, at the, at my best, which I think is normal for a young guy. And, uh, you know, we're in a position where we're trying to you know, really make the playoffs and we started off really well and then we had a, we hit a slump a little bit. So he was relying more on the veteran guys. And, you know, I know a lot of people kind of look back and they're like, well, you know, now he's like, you know, playing really well and then they didn't give him a chance. But you know, the reality is also, you know, I, I was a young, uh, big man. I, I wasn't nearly as good as I am now. Uh, and so it was normal that, you know, he had more confidence in the veteran guys and, and actually, to me, it was a great learning experience to understand that it's not just going to be given, you know, that you have to earn it. And I think that was one of the best things that had happened to me because, you know, when you're in college and you know, play at a high level, uh, you're a starter, you play big minutes, you know, everything is just kind of given to you. Uh, you know, there's, they can't just go and bring somebody in whenever they want. They can't just trade you or whatever. So you ha- you're just going to play regardless. And then um, so when you get to the NBA, that transition is not always easy. So I think that year was huge for me to get that, to understand that, hey, NBA is a whole different animal than college. Nothing is going to be given to you. You really have to earn it. So I think that year was a great learning experience for me. And once I got traded to Orlando, you know, it, it, uh, it opened up much more for me. But I always look back at that. Was Elton the player, the veteran that you gravitated toward on that team? Uh, well, uh, yeah, it was him. And then we had Spencer Haas, Tony Batty, Thaddeus Young was there at my position as well. Uh, and all, all of them helped me a lot. You know, it was uh, a lot of it was really uh, Spencer and uh, Tony and Andre Guadalla. Those three guys really, really helped me a lot. But also, you know, having veteran guys, especially I mean, some of them really old, old school guys, uh, you can really learn a lot from them. It was an old school. Rod Thorne was the GM. It was an old school organization at that time. Yeah, no, it was. It was. And uh, I mean, but if you look at the way we were playing then to now, you could you know, say it was uh, old school. But it was only like seven, eight years ago. Right. But uh, no, it was a good team. I mean, we went to the uh, second round of playoffs. Uh, we, we lost to Boston in Game 7. Uh, that was, you know, a great series to be part of. I didn't play much, but just to be part of the team, watch all the games, see how the preparation was, everything. It was just 
amazing to be part of it. And that's the night when Derek Rose goes down. Yeah, what what do you remember one. about that moment, watching him go down and, and realizing right away that it was it was yeah. a big injury? He was at the top of his game. I felt I felt you know, really really uh, bad and sad for him because I was a big fan of Derek Rose. Uh, just the way he was playing the game, you know, he just didn't really care for anything but just to play. And he was always playing with a lot of energy, uh, fun to watch. And uh, the Bulls were good. I mean, the first game we actually lost by more than twenty. I remember he had twenty one, I think, or twenty nine and nine. Uh, just, you know, just an easy night for him. He just dominated and it was like 50 seconds left and he made this play that he made probably a million times before just a drive and pass and jump. And when he landed, he came down. And I remember just the whole arena in Chicago, just everybody just, it's like somebody pressed a mute button. It was nothing. It was just quiet. People was just worried uh, after the game when I was leaving the locker room. I, I think it was a lot of his family members in the family room just, you know, holding their head, you know, trying to see what's going to happen. And actually, back then, there wasn't as much social media to mm-hmm. see, but so I was kept Googling and seeing what happened. And so when the news came out, you know, uh, even us, all us, our team, you know, we felt bad for him. Uh, obviously, he gave us an advantage at the time, but you never right. want to have that type of advantage because you never want to see a guy go down. And uh, so that was a, uh, you could see, I mean, that just it hurt him a lot. And, uh, you know, I felt really bad for him. Yeah, because it's funny, like, it became pretty clear pretty quickly there that you guys, you know, it was a 1-8 series and you were the 8th seed. They were a strong number one. And again, it was a shorter season. But the way I remember it, even though you guys Hey, listen, you were going to take the opportunity and you won the series. I think it felt even a little weird for you guys going forward in that. I think, I think part of it maybe was the way you said he was really respected by his peers, still very respected by his peers, right? Oh, for yeah. sure. No, he definitely was. And uh, that's why even you know, I remember Coach uh, Doug Collins, he came in and talked about it and uh, that, you know, it's just – just it doesn't feel right because you know as much as we compete and everything you know you want to go against guys that are you know uh at their best you know you never it just doesn't feel right to see another guy go down and you're like oh great in the worst one it's just it's not you know it's just not the way we are you know as as much as we come competitors against each other we still respect each other we still want the best for each other and so it was a you could just tell that i think it wasn't just us and then it was i think the whole league just felt so bad for him and uh just, you know, it was really difficult. I really, I mean, for me, I don't remember. I felt bad uh, for him when I saw that. Uh, but you know, it was just sometimes those, those things happen. You know, we ended up winning the series. But I think people always look back, like, you know, if you hadn't get hurt, what would have happened? Vooch, the years in Orlando where you're struggling, and we talked about sort of the professionalism you, you have to fight to keep every day. But what did you learn about sort of professional basketball in a losing environment where there's lots of change and turnover and there isn't continuity. When you think of that run of years, what do you learn about the business going through that? Uh, it can, you can learn a lot. You know, it, it can be, you know, very tough at times. I mean, it is very tough at times. Uh, it can be frustrating, uh, especially towards the end of the year when you, you know, you don't really play for anything. Uh, and, and it's just you just have to learn that you know even through all that you just have to 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 play every night at your best and you have to play and you know hope that you know tomorrow or the future is going to be better and uh, that eventually get there and uh, I mean to, to me the the thing that kind of helped me especially my first uh, four four years there was you know we were making progress you know I was a young guy as well I was only you know twenty two three when I got there uh, you know so my first year is kind of the 
first year of the rebuilding. And each year we've made progress. We like we had more wins, more wins. So you kind of understand, like, okay, this is what we have to go through. You know, we 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 you know we had some good young guys that came in that uh, we could build with, that we could you know uh, get somewhere. And so we're going somewhere. And then you know, the year that Scott Scott Skiles came, we actually uh, you know started off really well. And then you're like, okay, we're there, like it's happening. We just and then we we fell off, and then we end, we still end up with 35 wins, was a 10 uh, um, win difference since uh, that um, the year before, and we hadn't really signed anybody. It was the same team pretty much. We just were all a year older, so you're thinking, okay, it's going uh, the right way. And then the, the two years after that, you know, when you know the, the team decided to make a lot of changes and. Some guys, you know, got traded, and we went in different direction. That, those were the mo- most difficult for me because I felt like we were going backwards, and uh, that, that's what was the most difficult for me. Because as long as you go on somewhere and you see that, you know, you're gonna get to it there eventually. There's just something you can like hold on to that, and you know, it motivates you. But when you see that things weren't working and it's going kind of backwards, that was the really hardest for me. That's why the last two years were really difficult for me because I just didn't see where we were going exactly. You mentioned like how difficult it is, especially at the end of seasons on bad teams where, listen, players don't tank. Players go out to play. Like that's not what they're looking to do. But lineups and guys are sat down and lineups are what they are. You don't control that stuff. I mean, is there anything worse in an arena? And you, if you're at those games, you feel it. And I'm sure it feels a hundred times worse playing in it than watching it. But it's like, there's just this run of games, and I don't know if it could be a month, it could be two months, where it doesn't matter, nobody cares, they don't care if you win or lose, and it just feels like a death march to the end of the year. You've been through a few of those. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're kind of you know, aware of things that are going on, but as as, as players, we never, uh, you know, talk about it or really, you know, it's not in our mind. Once we step on that court, we, you know, we just care to win. And, uh, like I always say, you know, we try to control what we can't control. And so, you know, once we step on that floor, you know, we know that, you know, that mean, that win's not going to necessarily mean something in the long term to where, oh, we're going to, you know, be in the playoffs or we're going to get to the playoffs like the last month or so of the season. But it means something to us as competitors that, you know, we won that certain game and, you know, you want to win as much as you can because it brings positive energy, brings, you know, a positive vibe. And so as hard as it was at times, you know, when you see different rotations, different things happening, you just don't want uh, to, you try to just shut it off and just go out there and do your job and compete. And uh, at least have that good feeling of winning that specific game. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Harry's. How does Harry's tie into your New Year's resolution? Do you want to take better physical care of yourself? Harry's products have won tons of awards, including a 2018 Esquire Grooming Award. They'll keep you looking and feeling great. We're deep into the NBA season now, and every time that I make an appearance on ESPN Sports Center, Countdown, The Jump, Get Up, anywhere on the ESPN platform, you can bet that a Harry's razor is the reason that I don't have to worry about stubble on my face. I love the comfortable glide of the blades that give me a smooth, close shave. Now, here's a special offer for my listeners. Harry's wants you to start the new year off right, so they created a trial offer. Claim yours by going to harrys.com 
slash Woj. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash Woj, W-O-J. They have a 100% quality guarantee. And if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted ergonomic handle, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash woge. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash woge to redeem your offer and let them know that I sent you to help support the show. You know, when you look at the core of players you've had there and it wasn't like, you know, you look at Rob Hennigan and, and Scott Perry and, and Matt Lloyd was on that staff and he's still there with Jeff Waltman and John Hammond. They drafted pretty well and you had really good young players and you came, when you look at that four team trade you were part of, Orlando made out the best. Now, Iguodala remained a very good player for a long time. He went to Denver, but he ended up leaving and going to Golden State. And obviously, Bynum and Dwight Howard didn't work out for the teams they went to, really. So bringing you in and then, you know, you had J.J. Redick. And, you know, I think J.J. would have stayed in Orlando. I don't think J.J. ever really wanted to leave. I think if they wanted to resign him, he would have stayed. And, and then Tobias Harris comes in, and then he's out. And then obviously, I mean, go through the young players. You had Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, who you never got to play with. Maybe if there just had been more patience and it wasn't, let's cash in our young guys for this veteran or that veteran. Like when you look back and you said, if we had just stayed the course with that core, we'd be like this perennial playoff team in the East, right? I mean, is that how you see it? No, I think so. I know we had some very good young pieces, you know, especially look, I mean, you never know what can happen. You know, obviously, you know, Vic, he went first to Oklahoma City and then he went to Indiana and he exploded there. So you don't know if the, the same would have happened That's for right. us, but because Victor told me yeah. if he hadn't spent that year with Westbrook, he yeah. felt that year with Westbrook prepared him to do what he did in Indiana. Yeah. And you're right; would it have just naturally yeah. come, or did he need so that? that right? That's yeah. the thing you, you don't exactly know. Uh, and then you know, Tobias, well, he, he, you know, Tobias, you know, he knew then, you know, how, how good he was going to be. Uh, but I mean, Vic as well, you know, he's shown his potentials, but. Sometimes, you know, for certain teams, it happens a lot. You know, uh, a, t- a guy plays for a certain team for a little while, a young guy, and it doesn't necessarily, uh, it works out, but it's not maybe the potential that everybody thought. And then he goes somewhere else and he explodes there. He plays really well. So it's hard to say. Uh, I think that we, if we had all stayed together, uh, it would have been a, a good team, uh, and especially because we would have played together for so long and there would have been something special about it because we kind of all came together at a very young age. But, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I had mentioned it once before that, you know, well, you know, those moves didn't really work out. But, you know, it, it's it's the way it is. You know, sometimes you make good moves, sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. Uh, I mean, when those moves, you know, were made, you know, for us, you know, we thought that, okay, you know, it could be good. They didn't. So it's hard to say. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that for sure if we're still together, it would be a pretty good team. Do you feel, have you grown to feel this year that Steve Clifford was kind of the coach you've been waiting for in your career, maybe didn't know it, and then here he came into your career at a time when probably we're starting to get a little cynical about, okay, a new coach and come in and I've got to hear him tell me how he's going to use me and I've heard this a few times before and then this time it's all clicked. No, it definitely has all clicked. Uh, You know, I have heard a lot of great things about uh, Coach Cliff before. 
And uh, so when we hired him, uh, the, you know, a lot of people that I know from around the league are texting me, hey, you're going to love him. He's going to be great for you. That's A lot of people have told me that. And uh, so when you know, I first you know, spoke to him, the first me- uh, when we had dinner in Orlando, uh, I just had that really positive feeling right, right there that he could really help me, you know, kind of uh, put me back where I was, you know, uh, at that really high level of me playing. And uh, I just had that confidence. And uh, it really gave me confidence uh, going into the summer to really put in the work and really come back ready to play at a high level. And it just came from, you know, the way he approaches uh, uh, the game, the way he approaches coaching, uh, the way he wants to work with us, uh, the way he communicates with players. And uh, all that is something that, you know, I really, uh, I really would like to have in a coach. And so... It was, uh, I mean, for me, it, I mean, it was like a great choice, like to have him come here, and uh, I got very lucky. And so the way he's been using me this year, and you know, a lot of credit you now to him because I've been really able to play at a high level, be put in positions to be successful, and uh, and then you can see with our team. I mean, there's a big difference. You know, we uh, we, we play much more organized. We're not yet consistent. Uh, that's our biggest issue. But when we do play the way he wants us to. We're good. I mean, we're beating good teams. We had good runs, so we just get to have to stay consistent with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy you know playing for Coach Cliff. You know, he's been great. You know, he's a uh, no, he's he's very direct with players. You know, he he speaks what is what's on his mind. But I think as a player, if you really want to improve, that's what you want. You you want a coach to coach you. You don't want a coach to baby you. You want him to tell you, hey man, you know, you have to do this and that. And it's on you as a player, you know, to accept that and improve on it. The sense I've always gotten from guys have coached with him and his players is he can hold guys accountable and do it without making it personal. He doesn't scream. He doesn't call you names. I mean, he might raise his voice, but he doesn't make it personal. And it's always sort of focused on correcting a mistake or let's go. We'll sit and watch video and I'll show you these seven, five or six things that didn't work that, that that's been his ability to communicate with guys is I think they feel he's prepared and, if he goes after you, he's usually always guys say whether I agreed or disagreed. I'd look back and say, "Yeah, he was right." Oh, I, you're completely right. Uh, you know, he has a really good way of communicating with players, and uh, you know, when he tells you something, hey, like uh, you should improve on this or you know, focus on that. You know, he tells you right there, and if you you know fix it, you know, you improve it. You know, he's not gonna like kind of hold it against you and keep coming back on it. And, uh, so that, that's the thing, that's the main thing that guys really appreciate. And that's why they like playing for him because like I said, you know, he, he's direct. He will tell you, but if you improve on it, he will also tell you later that, Hey, you know, you know, you've been better at this, you know, and I think that's, that's important the way. And I think he has a good feel on how to talk to each different player because we all different, you know, we all have different uh, characters, you know, we all take stuff differently. And so he would know how to talk to me. For example, I talked to Evan, Aaron, uh, DJ or Mo. So it's, it all depends. And he's also very patient, um, which, which is not always easy to do as a coach. Uh, but no, sometimes he gets mad. Obviously, I mean, I personally think he would, uh, he was more of a, let's say, yell, uh, yeller, but, uh, not really. He, he's been very good about sending his message across and he knows sometimes when we have a tough loss or, even a good win or something, you know, to come in before practice and, you know, give us a message or something that, you know, when you, uh, you know, look back at it, you know, you, you see that he was right and that that message has strong meaning for us. Has he changed the success you've had with him and, and 
the relationship you built with him and what you feel like you might be building toward now, did it change your view of free agency and how you looked at your future? Maybe before the season, say, this might be my last year here. You're going to be a free agent. And you say, like, I can't listen to more promises of what it's going to be. Maybe I want to see what else is going on somewhere else. Um, is your view of that different now because of the few months with him? Uh, I mean, I, honestly, b- before the season, I haven't uh, given it much thought uh, because I, I wanted you know, to do that once it happens and kind of look back at everything and see then uh, what I would decide. Uh, but for sure that, you know, uh, you know, this year under Coach Cliff, uh, you know, it's been great for me and, uh, I know for sure I will, you know, um, look at that when I, when the time comes to make my decision. Uh, but I think that's, you know, still, uh, far away from now. Uh, I like to not focus on those things because it's so much in advance, so much, fo- uh, far away from now. Uh, so I just, you know, when, when the time comes, I'll definitely look at all that. That's definitely going to be an important factor in my decision. Uh, cause those are the most important things at the end of the day. And so, you know, I'll, uh, I'll see when the time comes, uh, you know, what, what, what I'll decide and everything. Even from when you came into the league, what free agency has become in the NBA? The attention it gets, the spectacle it's become. Does it feel that it's grown sort of exponentially? Even you haven't been in the league that long, but almost 2011 almost feels like a different time in the NBA. No, it does for sure. It, it's uh, it's changed a lot since I've came into the league. I mean, I think maybe maybe kind of started you know with that year when LeBron the and year before and absolutely Bosch, you yeah. know when because that was such a huge I think that might, might maybe one of the biggest free agency years in history. I don't think they'll ever uh, be one that yeah. match it right. And so yeah. that that was just I think that kind of started it all. Uh, I mean, also today you know with you know social media and you know there's much more you have access to many more information. Uh, I think you know. Uh, just people do, you know, uh, use it much more to, you know, blow up certain information to make, you know, I think it's good, you know, it's a, I mean, we're all our, you know, July 1st, 2nd, we're all on our phones looking at what's going on, what's happening, who's signing where. I think, I mean, it's fun, you know, it's kind of like in in the same thing as, you know, in in soccer, when the transfer market's open, you know, everybody's, you know, the first few days, you know, it obviously takes a lot, sometimes it's it's slower than the NBA because the NBA, you know, it happens quicker, but you kind of, you know, excited to see what's going to happen. And I think it's good for the league, you know, to have that, you know, kind of craziness going on around it and uh, and for people to follow, you know, definitely brings, you know, good things to the the NBA. You, You mentioned soccer that you played more soccer than basketball at a young age, right? Well, yeah, I never played for like a like a club or something right. like organized, but right. yeah, outside of like every kid in Europe, yeah, outside, yeah, outside of like right? my practices yeah. for basketball, I, I've never really played uh, with my friends and all because they all, especially in Belgium, they all they play soccer, so that's all what I played. I wasn't very good, but I still played it. And you you played when you were bigger than everybody else too, right? Yeah, I was. That's why a lot yeah. of times I was a goalie because with my size and my big you know arms and hands, I would cover a lot of space. So a lot of times I was a goalie. You know, we were talking about this before we went on about international basketball. And, you know, you played for Montenegro and, and you worked to build a program and a team. And I think your dad played for the old Yugoslavian team, right? Yep. Yeah. How much of that, it's defined a lot of guys, a lot, especially a lot of international players, I think. Guys have built Hall of Fame careers. Like I always felt Manu Ginobili, if never, he never played a minute in the NBA. If you just looked at his international resume, he's a Hall of Fame player. Like he built the Hall of Fame career on his national team, what he did with Argentina, and then obviously what he did with the Spurs and the NBA. But like, 
the impact, I think, especially for European players and the pressure that European players have that they have to invest in their national team. The U.S., you could be a great United States player. There's so many of them. You know, if you don't want to go play one summer, you don't have to go play. And you don't have to do as much of the qualifying in that. But it's, I think, right, it takes a toll on guys from Europe because there's a almost a responsibility that they expect you to come back and play. And after a long NBA season, it's a lot of basketball. No, it is. You know, uh, at the same time, it is fun to go and represent your country. Uh, you know, it is different because, you know, the, the U.S., you know, itself is like one, uh, you know, huge country. You know, it's like you, you took, look like Europe is pretty much, I don't know if, uh, like it's almost the same size as far as how big it is, but in Europe, every country, you know, there's so much, so many smaller countries. And so I think there's just more of that, um, I don't know if, I, if the right word, word is culture or just different fields to play for a national team. Uh, also, I think it goes back to, you know, even like before in the 70s, 80s, you know, people always play for a national team in uh, in Europe. And as to where in the U.S., the NBA players didn't really start playing until later. So I think it's just, you know, different history behind everything. I think now players, you see NBA players, you know, they, they go and play more and more for uh, the U.S., the Olympics, even the World Championships. In Europe, we also have the European basket, you know, which is big for us there. So I think it's just um, kind of different way of, uh, you know, growing up. How, how before you almost like I remember before, like the national team was almost bigger for you than what you, whatever you do with your club. You know, it was good, but the national team, if you could win with them, it was meant so much more. I think that's just the way we grew up. You know, we kind of had that in us, and uh, we enjoy going back and playing. It's so not. It's not always easy, you know. Sometimes when we don't play, you know, for whatever reasons we have, you know, you, you know, there's you no know, negative comments behind and everything. And so it's not always easy if you go play and you don't necessarily have a good tournament or something. You know, then you get criticized and everything. But you're like, well, I came to play. You know, I spend my summer playing. So it's, it's, but it's a no. It's, win. It could yeah. be a no win at yeah, times. Right? It's part of it, you know. But at the end of the day, if you do win, you look like, for example, like you know, Paul and Margasol. They've won so much with Spain. You know, it's you know that's something that always you know they're like heroes in Spain, no matter what. Now and uh, you know they're gonna be like they could have the worst NBA careers, which I mean they had great both. Right. But I'm saying they right. could have really bad NBA careers, but have right. great success with Spain, and they will be like gods in Spain. So the thing, there's just. The way it is in Europe for us, because people also, it's it's not as easy for them to follow the NBA because of the time difference and everything. Uh, you know, when Spain plays, for example, you know, the whole country follows. You know, same like for everything. So I think it's just, uh, I think it's just you know, different kind of cultural thing. Uh, the way we grew up and maybe guys grew up here. Nick, I appreciate you doing this. I believe I'm going to see you in Charlotte. Still got a little time to wait yeah. on that, but congrats on a great season, man. You got some more to do here to still get back into the Eastern Conference playoffs, but thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully I'll see you there too. It'll mean you know, so much for me to, to make it. Uh, you know, I feel like, I really feel like I had a good season. I feel like, you know, I played at a high level. I played consistently. You know, I know our, our record right now, if you look at it, is not you know, necessarily great, but it was still only like two games out of the playoffs. We're fighting for something. And uh, hopefully the, the coaches recognize that. You no, know, that would mean so much to me. But you know, we'll see now. And obviously, my focus for now is you know the next game against Brooklyn, and then hopefully you know get some wins for my team, and uh, you know get us back into that eight spot. Great, thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you. It, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, Orlando Magic Center, Nikola Vucevic. Remember, you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this podcast wherever you get your shows. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever else you listen to the Woj Pod. 
And of course, a huge thanks today to our sponsor.